0: I will call upon you to do a service for me Play the Godfather Now at Shumpacasino.com Welcome to the family
1: VDW Group, no purchase necessary where prohibited by law See terms and conditions, 18 plus plus.
2: One of the best shows of the year According to Apple, Amazon and Time Is back for another round
0: We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans He was on roadie And uh, I was coming back on the plane And he said Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant
2: Beverly. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Thursday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Everybody, thank you for being with us. I finally made it back to Miami, Clay, after, what was it, 12,000 flights canceled earlier in the week. Uh, things getting a little crazy there. And and lots of people affected by this. What's going on with the FAA? Is it Mayor Pete Buttigieg supposed to be handling this kind of stuff? Transportation Secretary? He's doing a heck of a job. He's the most infamous... Uh, transportation secretary, maybe the only one anyone could even name in recent memory. Um, but we will, uh, we'll dive into a little bit of what's going on there later on. Uh, we also have a very interesting case in New York City of uh, a man who was defending himself and his girlfriend with a knife who was arrested on the subway. This happened. He was arrested for stabbing to death a guy that attacked him and his girlfriend. And he has just had charges dismissed which is interesting considering the Daniel Penny case also making its way through the courts. We will absolutely discuss that. But I think we should hop right into this. we got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, uh, Senator Tim Scott, presidential candidate, will be with us later. Chris Christie, not joining today, says he doesn't feel well. Clay will give the benefit of the doubt on this one and just say, okay, I do believe he was on TV this morning, but if he's really not feeling well, we will gladly have him on next week to answer some questions. Are, How are you bad feeling, would
3: you have to feel to not do a fifteen-minute radio interview?
1: Really, really sick. Like no voice problem. I think short of no voice, it's probably inexcusable. So, but what, look, benefit of the doubt because we're gentlemen. We're just gonna. It's not. We don't think he's ducking us here. This is a you know a great opportunity for any Republican presidential contender
3: for any you know, candidate. Yeah, I mean, our audience is so big, RFK Jr. I mean, like, why would yeah. you not want to talk to this audience?
1: So a little strange. just want to tell you because we promoted it and we did have him booked and he's backed out. He's claiming health reasons and, you know, may- maybe. So we're, okay, we're just going to, we're going to take this one this time as the rain check and we should be having him on the next week or two. All right. The big story today, by far, huge breaking news from just the last uh, two hours or so is that affirmative action in college admissions has been resoundingly ruled unconstitutional, a violation of the Equal Protection Clause, a 6-3 decision coming down. I was uh, ripping through it, speed reading as fast as I could today when this thing came out. And uh, the Democrats are obviously very upset about this. Joe Biden, I believe, is going to speak about this decision Today, yes, President Biden is going to give remarks at 1230 Eastern. So at the bottom of this hour, he may be addressing everyone, Clay. Uh, it's it's pretty straightforward when you read, and I, I'm very curious to hear your your take on this. I would say that one of the first times that I realized um, that the left just makes up things and, and is dishonest uh, early on in my political formulation was on affirmative action as a high school kid. I saw I had the Asian kids in my class. I went to a technically like a school for the gifted. I had Asian kids in my class who were like, you know, geniuses in their respective uh, fields of of study. And they were having very different college lists and very different admissions from some of the other minorities in the class who we knew were much lower down in this in the uh, uh, class rankings by GPA. And that was when you say, hold on, why is this fair? It's not fair. Obviously, the whole thing is not fair um and we can get into it i mean for you what was the single for me there was there was a line eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it that was from the majority opinion
3: yeah what stood out to me is and and there's not going to be i don't think a vast amount of attention on this because it's always characterized these cases are as if it's you know white black really this is about asian discrimination and here's what stood out to me There is a penalty of around 140 SAT points on an Asian applicant to an elite college. That is, you get substantial detraction based on being Asian when it comes to admission. And if you are Hispanic, you get a 130 point bonus on average. And if you are black, you get a 310 point bonus. And here's another stat fact that is out there before we get into the actual reasoning and everything else associated with it. Well, two more things, Buck, I would say. One, um, here is a stat. This is from Greg Price. Harvard's Affirmative Action Policies, and I'm reading from his tweet. A black student in the 40th percentile of their academic index was more likely to get in than an Asian student in the 100th percentile. I mean, think about how crazy that is. Black students in the 50th percentile are more likely to get in than white students at the very top. And then additionally, you're going to see all sorts of craziness, including, as you mentioned, Joe Biden speaking at 1230 Eastern about 20 minutes from now. Huge majorities in the United States believe this Supreme Court decision is the right one. Buck. 74% 74% of Americans believe that race should not be used as a factor in public college and university admissions, including 60% of Democrats, 70 what is it, 75% of independents and 88% of Republicans, and you'll remember because we talked about this on the program, the state of California overwhelmingly rejected the return of affirmative action in the 2022 midterms by massive majorities. So while you're going to see a lot of left-wing activism reacting to this, it's actually a decision that the vast majority of the American public, uh, Republican, Democrat, and Independent, agree with. And this to me is is indicative, Buck, of how often the talking points of uh, left-wing policy are super far left-wing um, when it comes to what they are saying, it doesn't even reflect what the majority of the party believes.
1: Justice uh, Roberts, writing uh, for the majority, had a real piece-by-piece piece demolition of this. Uh, there's there's the, what what I would argue are the very purely almost legal formalism uh, aspects of this or, or the mechanistic, well, stare decisis, this was previously decided, there's some of this back and forth. And then there's just the... What's really going on here component of it like what's actually happening um and on the what's actually happening both they lose on both counts the pro affirmative action side of this, and I read as much of sotomayor's dissent as I could stomach um but the how this is implemented in practice versus what they said it would be that's where the, that's when you realize the whole thing is is a scam. I mean for one, they rely on a precedent that says um that there would be. And no need for this in 25 years. They were arguing that they should have uh, a few more years of this, four more years of this, as if that would somehow address anything, right? That was one of the, uh, one of the ways the pro affirmative action side was, was going at this. Um, the diversity benefits to an education. I mean, this is something that you would put on a slide at some kind of, uh, you know, HR meeting or something. You'd say, well, what does that even mean? It means nothing. It can't be measured. So when they say that it has to have strict scrutiny applied, which is very specific legal test for why you would be able to take race into account at all, strict scrutiny on the uh, applied so that you can then meet the educational benefits of diversity. What is that? It's meaningless. I mean, this is meaningless. And when you start to look at it, it becomes even more absurd. Uh, The categories are overbroad. It's another thing they brought up. I mean, the that they treat for the purposes of admission. Everyone should understand this. If you are a, an immigrant kid from South Korea whose parents arrive here and speak no English, you are treated the same way as for, for the purposes of admission as a Pakistani, uh, you know, kid who maybe has parents who have, like, founded some company is worth a billion dollars. Doesn't matter. Asian and Asian. Very far away. Very different cultures. Yeah. Very different backgrounds and different ethnicities. But Asian is Asian. Which is, that's why this whole thing really fell apart. I mean, you brought this up on the Asian side of it. Relies on stereotyping, which is also true. Oh, if you're black, you'll bring this to the conversation. If you're Asian, you'll bring that to the conversation. That's absurd. You can't make these determinations. And then the fact that it was negatively used against some. These were kind of the main that they said, oh, it's not that we take it against you that you're Asian. We're just going to give more points to black and Hispanic applicants. Well, it's zero sum.
3: Yeah, what it does is it presumes that you are a perfect representation of your race on a socioeconomic basis. We all know that, for instance, Barack Obama and uh, Michelle Obama's kids are far more advantaged than almost anybody, white, black, Asian, or Hispanic in the country, yet they would count as black and be given tremendous advantages for purposes of admissions. I, I would say, Buck... Um. So if if I were, if they gave me a magic wand, right? And they said, "Hey, how would you handle college admissions?" I do think there should be some element of consideration for socioeconomic status, right? It is, I believe, harder for someone from the the lowest quartile, right, the the, the bottom twenty five percent of income, to rise to the level of getting into Harvard than it is to somebody from the ninetieth some odd percentile. And in fact, if you go look, for instance, at Ivy League, uh, data buck, overwhelmingly, Ivy League institutions are made up of super wealthy people, no matter who their, uh, uh, what their background is, right? There are a lot of black kids walking around at Harvard whose moms and dads are doctors and lawyers, yet they get a benefit because of their race. I do think there is socioeconomic lack of opportunity in this country, right? It is harder to rise. This is factual. It is harder to rise from the bottom 10% uh, 10 to get into Harvard or any other elite academic institution. I think that could be taken into consideration. I also, I don't know what you think about this. I actually wish that and and would support uh, eliminating legacy admissions. Um, I understand people out there who argue for it. I don't think just because your mom or dad got into a school that you should get a substantial benefit, in my opinion, that you should get a substantial benefit because your mom or dad went there. Um, And uh, that obviously goes on in a big way. Uh, I don't think that makes sense either. I just wish we had, in many ways, as meritocratic of a system as we possibly could. I also think we focus, and I'm curious what you would say about this, way too much on where people go to college. And and I'll say this as somebody who went through it. You went, we went to elite schools, but by the time you're out of your twenties, no one really cares went to college has no impact whatsoever on your success. Once you're out of your twenties.
1: So I, I really mean this. And I, I, I say this um, with, with the uh, reflection, the sort of self-understanding and which you bring to this as well of, yeah, we both went to institutions that were supposed to be able to help us and elevate us in the job market, etc. Et um i when i went to the cia i mean i was working along people who a, a lot of them came from uh state schools a lot yeah. of them came from uh programs where they had to do you know extra we had a lot of uh, obviously a lot of veterans also who did later in life study finished their degrees later on my my point here just being there's many ways to get there um uh, there's yeah. many options there's many pathways and uh, i think that the value of the elite degree the quote unquote elite degree is much less than it once was. I also think that because so many people are getting four year degrees, the notion that it is inherently and this takes us to the uh student loan issue, right? That all these people are told you need to get a college degree or else you'll never have the kind of earnings you should have. It's not true. There are a lot of people that, you know, when when you say when I I think Clay, there's a little bit of a, oh, but we should talk more about trade school And the left will say, oh, you know, the right wingers don't really take that seriously. Yeah, like everyone should learn to be, you know, an air conditioning repair man or something. It's like skilled electricians make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? And don't have 150 grand of college debt or or whatever it may be. You know, people that can do some of the trades and grow and there's always the managerial track. I mean, there's just a lot of ways to get there without necessarily having the, the stamp of some of these more um elite schools and i I think that that's going to continue i think in part because these schools are also less serious institutions than they used to be honestly they're just not they're hard to get into but they're kind of like a social club once you're there it's kind of a it's kind of a joke for a lot of people once you're actually into the school
3: we're approaching 100 employees at outkick i'm not sure that i know where anybody that we have hired went to school I'm, i'm just using that as an example. I think it matters when you're twenty two or twenty three and you're trying to get your first job. Uh, it doesn't matter at all after that first job, and um I, I think that is uh I, we need to have a big discussion I think this is a big, big deal, this ruling, but I think the implications and what the colleges and universities are going to do going forward is also a big deal. Can part I make a this. prediction we can come back to it the uh, admitted numbers of the preferred
1: or elevated minorities in this process will not change, and they will not change because they will just continue to do what they do. They'll just find another way to do it so that it's harder to track what they're doing in the admissions process.
3: I think that's true, and sadly, I think it's likely that many of these standardized admission tests are going to be done away with because they'll say that they are reinforcing the They're uh, going to make it optional Racism,
1: And then there's going to be this uh, wink and a nod of, well, you don't have to submit your SATs. But that other guy, if he wants in, he's going to have to submit his SATs. That's what I see coming.
3: You've heard us talk about our friend Dutch Mendenhall. He's the co-founder and CEO of Rad Diversified. You can add the word author to his credentials. His new book is called Money Shackles. What are money shackles? These shackles represent the financial hamstrings that Americans have fought with. Go to school, get in debt, buy a car, get in debt. He believes it's the wrong thoughts, wrong teachings, and his book He'll give you strategies to use debt to your advantage and tap into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial change in American history and look beyond Wall Street and see the future of alternative investments. It's now no longer just available to the super rich. Get ready for the redefined American dream with money shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's T H E R A D dot com. Break free from your money shackles. Visit theRad.com. Learn and laugh. Weekdays with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
2: or wherever you get your podcasts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge.
3: Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, I just popped up a couple of questions, and I'm curious to see. Um, The first question is, do you believe race should be used as a consideration in college or university admissions? And already a 1,000 people voted on that in the first three minutes. 98 to 2, the answer is no. 98 to 2, all right? Almost my audience so far almost 100% agreement that it should not.
1: I mean, can I just say, if we could get, you know, all the MSNBC today is in full mourning, right? I mean, yes. this is a sad day for CNN and MSNBC on air. They're going to be complaining about this. And ultimately, what the, what they want to tell everybody is that an immigrant kid from Vietnam who arrives here, whose parents arrive here and and have not a penny to their name, and that kid just, you know, works his, works his heart out and gets a 1600 on the SATs and a 4.0 GPA, that doesn't matter as much as somebody who's black latino or native american who gets 2 or 300 points less because of historical discrimination. Yeah, that,
3: that's and
2: worse what than that's, that's that,
1: what Boston they're saying.
3: Could have multimillionaire parents. Right? Yes. To me that's the that's the catch. When you're giving benefit to kids who have every benefit already, it's an added benefit. I put up another poll and I'm curious on this one. We're about to go to break. Legacy admissions. Do you think the kids, this is a question for you guys we could potentially talk about it as everybody's reacting. Do you think the kids or grandkids of uh, parents who went to a school should get a benefit? So
1: I, I have something to tell everybody. Legacy admissions on that side of it um, that not, is not being taken into the debate. But we'll come back to this in, in a yeah. second. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, three cell phone companies charging you too much money every month for the same quality of service you can get from Pure Talk for far less money. How much lower? Right now, get unlimited talk, unlimited text, and ultra-fast 5G data for just $20 a month. When it comes to PureTalk's coverage, it's every bit as good. PureTalk uses the most dependable 5G network in the country. Make the switch and put the savings into your pocket. Using your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keywords clay and buck to get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 20 bucks a month. PureTalk's amazing U.S. customer service team will make switching so easy. Pick up your phone, dial pound 250, say clay and buck for unlimited talk and text with plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. You'll be signing on with a veteran-owned company. Just one more reason to make the switch today. Dial pound 250 and say Clay and Buck. Save an additional 50% off your first month. We have seen the striking down by a 6-3 decision of affirmative action based on race in college admissions. Um, we're also expanding that discussion out a little bit to uh, what is, should there be uh, some kind of socioeconomic Component in college admissions that is taken into account. Um, should there be some change in legacy, uh, legacy admissions? So those are all certainly interesting and, and worthwhile aspects of the discussion, I, I think, too. Um, but it, first off, I can say, Clay, they're very unhappy with this over in the, uh, Democrat world. They feel, they view this as an, as an enormous, you know, betrayal of, uh, a system that has been in place that quite honestly has benefited a lot of the people that you see on TV and a lot of members of Congress and you know, there are people that recognize, I think uh, whether they're open or some are open about it, others don't like to talk about it that they themselves benefited very directly from uh, affirmative action and all of this uh, you know, as we talk about all of this. So that's going on. you asked about you brought up uh, legacy admissions. so legacy admissions, I had a couple friends. One, actually, I went to, to school with, and then he was on the admissions board of my college later on, so I got to know quite a bit when he left. He wouldn't tell me anything when he was actually on the board but when he left about it. it they, they have this really... Uh, I mean, the, the numbers show it's not not accurate, but there's this longstanding perception that it's necessary for fundraising. So it's just about the money. Yeah, uh, That's why they take the children of alumni, because they believe they are more likely to donate but schools some schools have have gone away from that um i can tell you another area you may not like this one some of these schools always say well we have to recruit for all these different sports because otherwise alumni donations will drive now i'm not talking about like university of michigan football i'm talking about you know like you know Swarthmore uh field hockey okay yeah and they're like why do we have to oh because the alumni will stop donating if we don't have winning teams i'm like i don't <laughs> think anyone's not writing a check because of women's field hockey at Swarthmore. Yeah, right so you know there are these these ideas that are that are untrue and it's funny because the left comes back at this aoc's already done this with yeah well like they didn't even well this is about skin color and college admissions if if they want to do a legacy admissions case. Fine, and I would be supportive of. I think legacy admissions as a as a policy. I, I agree with you. Uh, it's really hard to justify this on the merits because you're really just saying, "Well, I think your rich mom and dad are more likely to write a check, so I'm going to let you in because your mom and dad, or mom or dad, went here." Right? That's. I think that's that's a failed notion, a failed approach. Um, but I also think that what we see is these schools, the notion that, especially we're talking about the elite schools now, that they. Are, are so hard up for funding. I mean, doesn't, I think Harvard has a $60 billion endowment now. Yeah. Some, some crazy number. I mean, these are massive hedge funds where there are classes also taught. So they've been able to create these, these, uh, just cash piles that aren't taxed and, you know, sort of allow them to operate in this world of tremendous administrator hiring and 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 a lot of social justice and social engineering at the end of the day what they've been doing though by looking at it by looking at students and saying you're asian you're black you're hispanic you're native American didn't really see much talk about the native american component in this decision i might have missed it um but that's also a huge one if you're native american you will basically get a huge advantage in college admissions than an elite school uh elizabeth warren for anybody who's wondering why did elizabeth warren pretend to be native american so she could get into and or, or rather so she could teach at um Harvard law school so but the i find all the arguments like do you find any aspect of any of the argument that this should have stayed compelling i mean i, I just no. look at this and i look at it and i just say there's None of it makes any sense. There's no component of this. You are, you are looking at skin color specifically, not socioeconomic status, not specific harm to the individual from the government and saying, well, there's racism. So let's just create a hierarchy of admissions based on skin color that disadvantages you know, Asians more than anybody else. That's what they yeah. did.
3: Yeah. No, I, I, I disagree, uh, uh, completely with the idea of using race. I do think that. Legacy admission should also be ended, um, and some of you may disagree with this. By the way, eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two.
1: On what grounds, though? Right, like I agree with you that it's it's unseemly, but is it unconstitutional?
3: Oh, I'm, no, I I don't know that it's unconstitutional um, because I haven't really thought through what, how you would even attack it. Because schools should be able to admit who they want to so long as they don't violate, like, again, this was found to violate the Equal Protection Clause because you're treating some people differently based on their race, treating people differently based on, I don't don't even know what the protected class would be associated with legacy admissions. It just feels icky to me. And I say that as someone whose own kids would now benefit, right? Right. I went to Vanderbilt University. I've got a couple of degrees there. I went to George Washington University. My wife's got a couple of, of Vanderbilt degrees. She went to the University of Michigan. Our three boys would benefit. I didn't. My, my parents went to Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, they were the first generation to go to college, basically, in, in, in our families. And I didn't apply to MTSU, which is a, a state school in Tennessee where I'm from. I, I don't even know if there's a benefit very much that I would have gotten. Maybe I would have an MTSU. But I don't think that my kids should be judged based on the fact of where their mom and I went to school. I don't think they should get a benefit um, just based on that. Now, I can see an argument. if you it, Let's say that I ended up a billionaire, Buck. Let's say I ended up a billionaire and I decided that I wanted to endow one of my alma maters with a billion dollars. If I gave that much money to a university and my kids didn't get in, then I, I, like, I can see a legacy admissions aspect when the, when somebody has given like a billion dollars to endow a school and there's tens of thousands of people who are benefiting off of their, uh, largesse in that respect. But as a normal person who would have graduated from a school, I don't believe in the legacy aspect. And I don't even know, but like, I haven't seen a great deal of studies. You may have seen some stuff. I don't know how much of an advantage of being a legacy is, and I would imagine that it changes some based on what the university it's, is. But it's it's less than
1: it's less than be, in terms of the SAT. It's yeah. substantially less than being a preferred minority. Right. That's that's also a part of this. It doesn't get talked about. It's It's an advantage. Don't get me wrong. Of course. Yeah. But you're talking about maybe, you know, just to to try to quantify it, 100 points, 120 points on the SAT instead of 300 points or 250 points on the SAT.
3: Yeah, the meritocracy in general, I think, should be the aspiration. And that's the thing that I would like to take from this opinion, Buck, is, and I would suggest this to Republicans out there in general, we've got to re-embrace the idea of the meritocracy as being a really good thing. That we want the people who are at the absolute apex of their achievements in all fields and we want to encourage that for all children. We want to embrace the idea of excellence. You know, for a while, it was an insult to uh, to, to des- describe something as being elite. There is a difference between being elite and being an elite-ist. In my experience, most people who are elite are huge paragons of the meritocracy, but they're not elite in that they're saying, oh, you could never aspire to do what I've done. It seems to me that people who are elitist actually aren't very talented and they're trying to preserve whatever limited social status they have. I want the meritocracy to flourish across the entire you know, United States where every kid, no matter where they grow up or what their background is, can aspire to be the next Elon Musk or the next Mark Zuckerberg.
1: I I have some maybe slightly uh, outside the box or even radical thoughts also on the notion in general that you can be judged, that your even honestly your your intellectual ability, your cognition, um, and then beyond that, your worth as a leader in society or whatever, when you're a seventeen year old, yeah. Based upon every school has different curriculums, every situation, every person. So the only way to do it is with these standardized tests. And as I always tell everybody, no one cares if you took calculus in high school. It actually doesn't matter in your life. Like, it, yeah. it, this is something that you know you don't want to tell your high school age kids because they'll be like, "Well, then why do I have to do this?" Doesn't matter. Bottom line, someone's going to read it. I'm a mathematician, or like I do, you know, multivariable yeah, calculus at a hedge There are professions
3: fund. where it truly right, matters, but it matters Once you in get past the what, like algebra two, the even algebra two, like what well, math you know do you actually well, use? But for this, most this is what I
1: mean. You know, you look at GPA. GPA is a compilation of all these different, all this different subject matter that is generally stuff that most people forget. I mean, it's giving you a baseline, and that's why standardized tests came came in, and the whole idea was you can't trust people's grades at these different schools, or so, yeah. so let's have some sort of objective metric. And then they didn't like what the standardized tests were doing. So they said, well, now we need to look at grades a little bit more. And they didn't like what standardized tests and grades were doing, so then it's now we have this holistic admissions process that even included race as, as, as a factor. And, and you go down the line and you just say, you know, at the end of the day, you'll get paid more for extreme specialization and excellence in one area than you will for being the person that always you know, does the extra credit and gets an A-plus on everything. No one really cares.
3: Here's the real question, because you think about this as a parent. I bet every parent, grandparent thinks out there. To what extent does where you go to college, or even if you go to college at all, dictate your likely success in life? That's the big question. I mean, the
1: the numbers will show higher earnings for people that go, that get a four year degree. The numbers will show, but they're just numbers, meaning that. But
3: how much of that buck is, right? Let's say you got a 1600 on your SAT, right? I think that's still the perfect score on the SAT. I I know they changed the scoring mechanism. It's back to
1: 1600 now. Okay.
3: It's back to 1600. Perfect score. And you have an option between going to Harvard or going, I'm not trying to take a shot here, or going to Texas Tech. Right, I'm not trying to take a shot wow. at Texas Tech. Wow, Texas listening. is listening, Clay. Just, Texas just, is listening. I'm just saying, Harvard or Texas Tech, how much difference do you think there is in later life achievement for the person who is clearly very smart? Right, If you get a 1600 on the SAT, you are a very smart person. How much difference in life outcome do you think there is for a kid who gets a 1600 and goes to Harvard versus goes to Texas Tech? My I inclination think, would be, by, and this is, I don't know the answer. What would you suggest? I, I don't know if there's ever been testing on this.
1: I always say that the, the, one of the issues with all this, we'll come back to this, and we we'll want to take some calls from some folks out there, and, and especially also some parents. If your kids just went through this admissions process, it would be great to hear from you, 800 282 2882. Clay, people get into these schools for different reasons. That's the bottom yep. line. So if you got into one of these schools because daddy wrote a big check and endowed a wing of a library, Well, you're probably going to have a trust fund. So no one's going to know whether you're successful or not. That's right. But it, but it certainly doesn't mean that you're smart. (laughs) It certainly doesn't mean, you know, uh, that, that you're somebody that anybody should listen to on anything. So I, I think that this is, we're, we're in a world that is changing very rapidly from these schools are some kind of pipeline into this, this great life thereafter to what do you do in the school? What did you learn and who are you as a person? Because ultimately, what does an employer want? You know, this I've hired before. I'm not, you know, hiring these days like you are, but you want someone who is competent, has a good attitude, a reliable, and is there when you need them to be there and does good work, right? Like the, the basics. The that's work what is need.
3: the test now. I, that's what I've said we've got hundred employees or whatever at Outkick. I can name like three or four where they went to college. And that's because I know them, you know, as friends, not because they're, I looked at their resume and said, we have to have this person based on their college graduation, you know, school.
1: Look, my friends, inflation is still a major problem out there. Prices are high. You see and feel it every day with the current stock market volatility. How are your retirement accounts doing? The Phoenix Capital Group says the time to diversify your investments is right now. They're recommending high-value U.S. oil and gas investments with current yields ranging from 8% to 12% APY paid monthly. That's a better rate of return than banks or CDs with no middleman. This is a Regulation D corporate bond offering open to all accredited investors with terms as low as nine months and includes monthly or compounding interest options. To find out more, download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today, at phxonair.com. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 8 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com
3: want more clay and buck that you didn't hear on the show get podcast extras in the clay and buck podcast feed find it on the iheart app or wherever you get your podcasts okay round two name something that's not boring
4: laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
3: (sighs) ah sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com
4: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip,
0: who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
4: And I'm Skip Bronson. tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast Finding Matt Drudge,
3: welcome back in clay travis buck sexton show reacting to the striking down of race as a factor that's allowed in college and university admissions joe biden is speaking right now buck and i can almost guarantee you you and i could probably write exactly what he's saying because we know the left wing playbook on race as well as the left wing does has he said anything that would be surprising
1: uh just you know diversity and educ in our universities is so important um I, I always, what kind of diversity? How much diversity? You know, in what ways is it so important? It's all vague talking point, boilerplate nonsense. He strongly disagrees with the with the Supreme Court ruling. Um, it's a 6 3 decision, not even a 5 yeah. 4. Just going to throw that one out there too. Um, look there. I, I would encourage anybody, look, it's about 230 pages. And, and I'll be totally honest with you guys. I read the, you know, the, this, the beginning of it, the majority opinion. Uh, got into some of Thomas's, uh, you know, his concurring opinion goes on at at length. It's very good. And then I've read some of um, Sotomayor's, but it's 237 pages in total. Read the first 30 pages of it because you'll see the arguments to keep for keeping this are rooted in, honestly, they're rooted in lies. And one of the biggest ones is, oh, it's because Biden just said this a moment ago. We're watching him live. I could see on the screen, you know, there's the text scrolls. Um, But he just said, these are all qualified applicants. No, that's actually not true. Um If if you're talking to a place like Harvard, if you are not a if you don't have some special, you know, some special thing to get you in, including legacy, I'm not going to pretend. But if you don't have something else, uh, you're not going to get into Harvard with a 1300 on the SAT, which is actually a very good score, by the way, not to put that down. Yeah. But you're just not getting into Harvard.
3: The data reflects, honestly, for people out there who are losing their minds, there was actually a really good study on this. That affirmative action as it's applied actually elevates people to colleges that they would otherwise not have been admitted to and actually makes them less likely to succeed. So, now, this is counterintuitive in some way because you're outside the bounds of your ability to do the work and you would just go to a lesser school and be more likely to have success there because there's a better fit, right? That's what that's a hundred percent
1: what California schools, the UC yes. system, and they have the data to back this up. You know what happened when they got rid of racial preferences in admission. This is only possible because there's so many Asians in California who are like, "Why are we being discriminated against?" Um, but you know what happened? The enrollment of black students, specifically at UCLA and USC, I think it was the two, or maybe UC Berkeley, sort of the top of the UC system. UC Berkeley because USC
3: is private, but yeah, the other. I'm sorry.
1: Two. I'm thank you. UC Berkeley and UCLA. Um, went down a little bit but the enrollment at you know UC Davis and a few other schools went up and you know what also went up graduation rates
3: yeah yeah I mean that's what the this is why it's so interesting uh, and that's what the question I asked now I wasn't trying to take a shot at Texas Tech or anything but how much is the individual versus how much is the institution? is a question that I think goes to the very essence. And I haven't seen, I would love to see the data, if somebody has a good study that's been done, of high-testing students who make the decision not to go to the most expensive elite school that they could have, but go to a big state school. What's the likely outcome 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later? But, but,
1: But at the most fundamental level, it is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause for any institution to look at somebody and say, your skin color is this, his is that,
3: That's
2: chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round.
0: We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans. who was on roadie. And uh, Mm I was coming back on the plane. And he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. (laughs) I
2: said, What? Sergeant Pepper?